how close it really is to this country. So be in prayer for the church. Be in prayer for the church. A couple of things before we get into our, our, our text this morning. I communicated with Sean San Miguel briefly this morning. And um, he wanted me to thank the church uh, for the mighty prayer last Sunday. He is recovering well. He's home. He's happy. Uh, but not only was he leaning, leaning on the Lord through that process, but he said often during the week, I was brought back to that time uh, last Sunday when the church gathered around me and prayed for me. Uh, so he said, thank you. Second, uh, Billy Smith. I spent uh, time uh, with the family at the hospital yesterday at Midstate. Uh, between 2 and 2.30, uh, the doctors came in began to unplug everything for life to take care of itself from that point. I left a few moments after that and uh, have yet to hear, to hear if uh, everything was finalized. But the doctors made it clear to the family that once this is done, it would only be uh, minutes or hours before um, Billy passes away. It all depended on her body. Uh, so that's where it was between 2 and 2.30 yesterday afternoon. So be in prayer uh, for Billy's family. Right. <clears throat> this morning we're, con- we're concluding our series on end times. And many of you are probably saying, Amen. <laughs> Amen. I kind of got that from Kathy this morning. Uh, <laughs> But guess what? The end times still exist, Kathy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so this morning, please stand as we have the reading of God's uh, word this morning. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we can gather and praise and honor and glorify you. Lord, I just pray as we open up your word this morning, as we turn to your scriptures, your truth, that, Lord, you speak to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit just overwhelm us with this truth in John 14. Lord, thank you for the revealing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beginning in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I will go and prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, over the years, I have discovered that many people wonder a lot about the afterlife, uh, specifically heaven. So if there's a way to end end time discussion over the last several weeks, would it not be heaven, right? Right? So people wonder about the afterlife. They wonder about heaven. What will our lives be like? What will our bodies be like? What will we know 
What will we learn? Whom will we meet when we're in heaven? And what will we experience when we're in heaven? And then I get this one a lot. What will we do in heaven? So in general, all these questions, they just come up to one simple uh, uh, four words. What is heaven like? Have you ever thought about, pondered on that in your life? Amen? David Jeremiah gives a great illustration uh, of what heaven could be like through a little girl that was born blind. The only beauty that she knew from her uh, was from her mother's descriptions as she was going through life. Flowers in the spring, trees in the fall, snow in the winter, the ocean during the summertime. The little girl could only imagine what heaven was like or what even the earth was like. At the age of 10, she had this experimental surgery to help gain her, regain her eyesight. She wore bandages for many, many weeks until that moment, that unveiling to see how this surgery went. And then the truth was revealed. The bandages were removed and the girl could see. The girl ran to the window and she just stood there breathless. Mom, why didn't you tell me it was so beautiful? Mom goes, I I tried, but words just aren't enough. Whatever I may speak today, whatever you may read in the word of God today, words are not enough of what heaven is like. So how can we properly describe something that we cannot put into words because of its greatness, its awesomeness? Words alone just don't do it. Not at all. We can't help but wonder what heaven is like. And whatever we can imagine heaven to be like, understand this. Please understand this. Whatever you can imagine or what it could be like, it isn't. It's so vast, so beyond our thoughts. Heaven is vastly superior to anything our minds could conjure up. So, the Bible is full of wonderful promises when it comes to eternal life, heaven. But perhaps the most wonderful of all is this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. This world is not all that there is. It's not even close. I think last week I heard someone say, the best is yet to come. And that's absolutely true. The best is yet to come. The Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament uses and refers to the word heaven over 500 times. The Hebrew word for heaven is a plural meaning, meaning heights, elevations. There are many things we do not know about heaven or what it could be like because it's beyond our ability to comprehend it. Uh, But one thing we can know for sure, heaven will fulfill our greatest desires. There's no doubt about that. If anything, it will dazzle us with, with its glorious beauty. 
You think you see beauty in parts of the world that we live now? It will not even compare. I once had a pastor tell me years ago, when I was in my early stages of coming into the faith, this was one of my first questions. What, what is heaven like? He said, Steve, I can't explain it, but let me just give you this one equation. He said, in your mind, imagine the best of the best of the best that you could possibly think heaven to be. And then he said, multiply that by an infinite number. So words just can't do it. It will eliminate, heaven will eliminate our greatest problems with its power, with its splendor, with its awesomeness. Heaven will be, the, be greater than anything we can imagine, anything that we can dream, anything that we could talk about. And it will be a place where love and joy will reign perfect. Perfect. And Christ is busy preparing all of this for his people. Jesus said in our scripture, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and do what? Take you to be with me so you may be where I am. But unfortunately, heaven has met with, I think, uh, a bad press throughout the years of those who don't understand what God has prepared for those who love him. As scripture tells us, people at times see heaven as, as, as sitting on a cloud and, and wearing this halo. And while angels play harps throughout heaven constantly. Others think that it's a sort of celestial retirement city. It just seems so unreal. So no wonder so many people see heaven as a place of boredom. Or, or secretly they may say things like, um, is that all there is? Is me just floating around on a cloud? There is so much truth that could be said about heaven. But first, let me begin by saying this. Heaven is real. It's real. Heaven will, will not be some ghostly existence where we float about as, as spirits without bodies. It's not going to be like that. Why would God create a new earth? And listen closely. Why would he create a new earth as described in his word, the Bible, if there was not going to be anyone to live there? Why would we be given new bodies, as the Bible describes, if we're not going to be uh, living in a, a relevant world? Adam and Eve were not placed on a cloud, but on earth. Heaven will be the Eden restored. Okay? It will be as God has always planned. You know, we've all been living east of Eden since the fall of Adam and Eve. But the day will come when the original paradise that God intended us to be a part of will be restored. That is his master plan. God's word contains this promise concerning the earth. Look at Romans chapter 8. Verses 19 through 20. Romans 8, 19 through 20. For the creation waits in eager expectations for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope 
that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. One day, all of creation will be liberated. It will be transformed. Heaven will be a real place with real, meaningful, and rewarding work for us to do. Heaven will be the fulfillment of what we pray. We know the Lord's prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is what? As it is in heaven. That's how real it is. The old earth will pass away. And God will create a new earth which will be the home of righteousness. The home of righteousness. Something that we're missing in this world today. If this fallen world and all its brokenness can be so wonderful and beautiful, what must heaven be like? What must heaven be like? Because we find beauty in this, in this broken world that we live in. So, let me give you another truth about heaven. Heaven will be right. It will be a place of righteousness. There will be a rightness to it. All the wrongs of the world would be made right. Heaven will be a place where everything evil is absent. And everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone and washed away. And only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will disappear. And everything that's existing will appear. That's heaven. Everything depressing will be gone. Everything hopeful will be true and it will come. Everything violent and hateful will be gone. Wouldn't that be great? And everything born of love will prevail. Love will prevail. Every every unfaithfulness will be in the past. And steadfast loyalty will be present. Everything detestable will be gone. And everything desirable will stand with each and every person in heaven. Every sickness will be gone. No more hospital beds. No more drugstores. And complete wholeness will take over our lives. Every struggle, every frustration, every failure will be over. And only success will be possible in heaven. Revelation 21, verse 4. And we know this scripture. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. It's gone. Every wrong done to you in this world will be made right. Every injustice will meet with justice. Every sorrow will be reversed. And joy will wash over all of us like a waterfall. Look at Isaiah. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 65 verse 17. He says, behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. This is in the Old Testament. 
The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. You'll have no remembrance of it. This corrupted, fallen world will totally be gone. And God will restore the earth as it was meant to be in the very beginning. Unspoiled by human sin. Everything false will disappear. Everything good and true, as I said before, will prevail. No more falsities. No more untruths. No more deception. Revelation 21, verse 27. Nothing impure will enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we've already spoken about that book. Another truth that I want to share with you this morning to help you understand heaven is heaven will be relational. Heaven will be relational. Will I know? Will I be able to recognize people in heaven? Will I recognize those that I truly loved in this life that I'm living now? I mean, it's the number one question that just about every person would like an answer for. The truth is, and hear me on this, I'll give you the answer. The truth is, if you yourself belong to Christ, you will meet again those you have loved, listen up, who have known Christ and lived for him. Does that answer your question? Our relationships will not be lost. They'll be regained, renewed in a new way. Guess what? You still will have a social life. We will experience relationships at a level that we have never known before, ever. There will be deep, rewarding, and fulfilling relationships will be the hallmark of heaven. God is all about relationships, his way. Now, you compare that to the life here. Here in this life, we let each other down, don't we? We disappoint one another, right? Many times without knowing it, we hurt each other in some way. We fail each other in some way. But in heaven, we will all be changed. All be changed. No more failing. The Bible says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, dear friends, now we are children of God and what will be What will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our fallen, imperfect nature will be healed, changed, and will be capable of of an intimacy relationship that we cannot even imagine in the here and now. We can't even come close to the type of relations that we're going to have in this world. It's totally different. 
our relationship with God will be healed also in heaven. There will be no brokenness between us and God whatsoever. No more will our love for God be compromised by, think about this, by our selfish love for ourselves and an attraction with the things of the world. That will not disrupt our relationship with God. Our love for God and our relationship with him will be pure, as pure as it can get. There will be nothing between us and God, nothing at all. No separation. Can you imagine that? Our sinful nature has been taken away, washed away. There will be no no struggle with sin. There will be no struggle with temptation. Our sinful nature, God, doesn't exist. Our relationship with God will be so intimate that the book of Revelation describes it as a bride coming to her husband full of love and passion, with arms wide open to receive. It will be a time of intimate sharing with family, close friends, even new friends. What do you mean by new friends? There's people out there you haven't even met that you will know, that you will know when you get to heaven. Imagine sitting and watch this, conversing with Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, Paul. And other men and women of God that you just read about. They'll be like your brothers and sisters. It will be a time of celebration. A festive atmosphere. Another truth that I want you to understand about heaven is this. Heaven will be rewarding. It will be rewarding. The Apostle John, he was given a glimpse of heaven in Revelation chapter 21. And he does his best to describe heaven, but he is limited by his language, by experience, and by time. Can you imagine receiving a vision from God about heaven? Say you're great-great-great-grandfather or grandmother received a vision from God. And then they took that vision and tried to describe it to their generation of things they can't even describe. As we said earlier, that words cannot even give justice to. This was John in Revelation 21. How do I, how do I relate this in my time? He's never seen anything like this before. And he finds it impossible to fully depict what his witness is in this vision. The richness of heaven is so great that the Lord uses gold as paving material. How about that, Tom? No more asphalt. Jewels are used for foundation stones. That's just routine. What a place heaven must be, right? It's so rich and real that things of great value here on this fallen earth that we live in, it's just a common place in heaven. We think gold, 
Pearls, silver is all important in this world. It's, it's, it's nothing to heaven. What's the big talk about? This is natural. But you know, let's say that you have uh, worked a very hard life, lived a very hard life. You have, but you've been faithful to God. You've done your best. Yet nothing seems to have gone right for you in, in this world. Who knows, your health may be bad. Finances may be in the dumps. Uh, your children have made nothing but bad choices. And your relationships are not fulfilling in your life. You know, we, when, we, when we have this, this type of life or moments in our life, um, I came to a scripture this week that kind of where we can agree with the psalmist in Psalm 73, verses 13 and 14. I don't know if I had this up there for the guys or not, but it says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day I have been uh, plagued. I have been punished every morning. Tough life here. We can agree with what the psalmist is saying. Life is tough. It seems so unfair. Where is the justice in this life? We hear that word a lot. We ask that question often. True justice is, listen, is not far away. It just happens in another place. Justice doesn't always happen in the world that we live in, on this present earth. This is not heaven. And we should not expect it to be. True justice will one day come, but not here. All accounts are settled. And our rewards are given in another place and another time in the future. That's what heaven is all about. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, he struggles with the problems caused by the pains of life. And, and he, he, he wrote this. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns, guest houses. But he will not encourage us to mistake them for home. I think he's right. Home is on its way. It's not here yet. Don't make the mistake of thinking that it is. If there is one comfort zone that we feel so comfortable in, it's our homes, right? A safe place. But understand, heaven supersedes that by more than you can ever imagine. You think home is your safe, protected place? We're so far off. We're so far off. Jesus said in Revelation 22, verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. Remember that verse? And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Every sacrifice that you have made will be remembered. Every sorrow that you've experienced and life will uh, be dismissed with countless joys of heaven. Every rejection 
will be overcome by this massive explosion of love. Every work will be rewarded. Far from from every mistake being brought out, every good thing you have done will be honored and rewarded in heaven. That's what we should be looking forward to. Another truth about heaven, there will be activities in heaven. There will be activities. The New Testament uh, does tell us that we will have tasks, work in heaven. Work was a part of the original Eden. It was a part of the, of the perfect human life. God did not create the world and then retire. It didn't happen that way. There'll be work. Jesus said, my father is always at his work. In John 5, verse 17, my father is always at his work every day. And I too am working. We too will be working. Heaven will be a place where we serve and where we work. The book of Revelation mentions this several times. There'll be things to do in heaven. You will not be bored. This is why God gave Adam and Eve work to do in the garden. He will also have work for people to do in the new heaven and the new earth. Activities in in heaven designed to utilize your highest capabilities and gifts that God had given you will be at its highest peak. There will be enjoyable work in heaven. Whatever it is, you will enjoy it. There will be no more of these Monday blues, which I think is tomorrow, right? So long, so long to the attitude that we have, I, I hate my job. No more punching a time clock. No more deadlines, no more stress in life. Can you imagine? Understand this, the point? Yes, sir. Weeds? If they are, they're beautiful. (laughs) We don't need to put them. They're great. Understand this, the point of many of Jesus' parables about the reward for faithful work done here on earth is a greater responsibility in heaven. Jesus spoke about it often. And I can't help, as, as I went through scriptures, you can't help but think or believe there could be new songs written and sung in heaven. Read Revelation uh, chapter 5. Tell me what you think. There will be times of learning. Revelation chapter 14. There will be times of service. Revelation 22. There will be a place alongside Christ. Listen to this. There will be a place alongside Christ for believers to judge the world and the angels righteously with justice and fairness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. You will be alongside Jesus judging the world and even judging angels. What? Yes. Great study. There will be worship without distraction, service without exhaustion. Are you tired yet? 
Fellowship without fear. Learning without fatigue. Rest without boredom. This is heaven. But finally, and most important of all, hear this. Heaven will be the residence of God. Christ himself. The greatest reward of heaven. Now, I say this often. I've mentioned it to some of you in particular. The greatest reward in heaven will be God himself. That's all we need. Nothing we see or experience will be greater than the fact that we are with the Lord. And we will see him face to face. And the greatness of heaven is just icing on the cake. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror that we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. How wonderful it will be to be in the presence of God where we will perfectly know him and know that we are perfectly known and loved by him. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He's not going to be separated from us. He will be with us. There's no greater reward or relationship than being with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and seeing him face to face. Can you imagine? Can you imagine as did the disciples back in the first century walking alongside Jesus, seeing him face to face and conversing with him and doing life with him in a broken world? C.S. Lewis once said this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy... The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen. Amen. That is so true. I believe that when we enter the real heaven, we will say, this is the land I have been looking for all my life. Though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old earth so much is that sometimes it looked a little bit like this. And it does. God gives us a tiny glimpse, a tiny spectacle, pinpoint vision of heaven where we live. It will be a new earth, restored and redeemed, the place where we were meant to live. And at that time, we will say, as did the Holy Spirit in Revelation 22, verse 17, Come, and let him who says, come, Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Now, as I close, let me try to make this very personal. And I'm going to do it through a reading. I read a a very moving story that was entitled, Dad's Glimpse of Heaven. And it was written by Edna Hirschberger. 
And it read like this. His last words left us with something to look forward to. At 4 a.m., the nurse woke Dad to give him a breathing treatment. Mr. Hirsch, do you know where you are? Goshen Hospital. He answered politely and closed his eyes again. She wrapped a blood pressure cuff around his arm. Mr. Hirsch, who's the president of the United States? Dad looked at me with an expression that said, do I have to answer these silly questions in the middle of the night? She raised her voice. Mr. Hirsch, who's the president of the United States? Do we have one? He asked her. Good answer, Dad, I teased. The nurse laughed loudly, gave him a mock punch on the shoulder, put an oxygen mask over his face, and turned on the noisy machine. I guess you're awake and alert. A week or two, that's how long the doctor said Dad might live. And we wanted to make the most of every minute. I was glad to sit with my father-in-law during the night while my husband slept on the sofa in the visitor's lounge down the hall. Sweet memories. I brushed the damp hair from his forehead. I wonder how it feels to know that you'll soon see God. Feels good. Dad said without hesitating. It's such a mystery. Tell us what you feel and see and hear to help us understand what you're experiencing. I'll try, he promised. Are you scared? No, he said. I feel at peace. I've been wishing to go to heaven all day. That was Tuesday night. In four days, Dad would be transferred to the nursing center where he hoped he would not have to go. I thought about Dad falling asleep and not waking up. There were some things I wanted to tell him. Hey, Dad, soon after... Dwight and I started dating. He told me that you, you said about me, what, what you said about me. He told him he had picked a good one. You told him I was a peach. No one ever called me a peach before, and I've loved you ever since. He squeezed my hand and closed his eyes. I better be quiet and let you sleep. I apologized. No, he said, I want you to keep talking. I just can't keep my eyes open. Suddenly, Dad jumped as though startled by something. I sat up, held both of his hands in mine, put my face close to his. Is something wrong, Dad? His eyes were open, but he didn't seem to see me. I'm leaving. I I thought I heard him say in a weak voice, Did you say, I'm leaving? I asked him very quickly. I'm leaving. He repeated more distinctly. He surely couldn't mean dying. Not yet. I tried to think of some appropriate last words to say in case this really was the end, but my mind went blank. I started to say, I love you, but he interrupted me with one word. It sounded like cold. But he, um, oh, you're cold? I, I tried to reach for a blanket, but he wouldn't let go of my hand. It got tense, and he quickly spelled it for me with the emphasis on the G sound. And, and, and he began to spell out G-O-L-D, gold. G-O-L-D, gold and silver. And he kept spelling it over and over again. I was shivering. My heart was pounding. I leaned my head against the cold metal bed rail. Lord, please carry him gently. I prayed, we love you, Dad. I kept repeating as he took four long shuddering breaths and then was still. His hands became limp. I called the nurse. I thought, but I, I, you know, I, I couldn't move. I sat there in darkness holding dad's badly bruised hands with intravenous fluid still running into them. My forehead seemed 
fused to the bed rail. Tears ran down my cheeks. Six inches from my face, something supernatural had occurred. Something far greater than my mind could even absorb. I knew God was in the room, but I couldn't see him or feel him. I longed to be able to see what dad had seen. I gently laid dad's hands on the bed and walked out to the nurse's desk. I dried my cheeks, blew my nose. Excuse me, I said. My father-in-law is gone. She jumped out of her chair. What do you mean he's gone? He just died, I said, as tears were rolling down my face. That can't be. He was just joking with me a few minutes ago. She grabbed her stethoscope, rushed into the room, turning on lights and calling his name. I walked down the hall to tell my husband that his father had just gone to heaven and there really is gold there. If you knew this were your last day on earth, do you know for certain, do you know for certain that you would spend eternity in heaven? And I want you to hear closely because this is too important of a question to say, and I've heard these responses. I think so. I hope so. Because if you're wrong, you're going to be wrong for a long, 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 long time. Our entire hope of heaven is consumed by by the faith in what? Jesus Christ, his death, and his resurrection. Heaven is not just about eternity. It's also about looking forward to the, je- uh, to the day of Jesus' return when he will establish God's kingdom once again here on earth. Heaven is not just about eternity. One final thought. Understand this. No one, no one enters heaven by accident. Heaven is God's, and hear me, heaven is God's prepared place for prepared people. That's heaven. Heaven is God's prepared place for prepared people. Jesus said in our text this morning, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one. Now, many would say this. Well, Pastor Steve, I mean, that seems so very narrow and limited, don't you think? I agree with you. Totally agree with you. But in truth, listen to what I'm about to say. I'm rejoicing because at least he's given us a way. Did not Jesus even say in Matthew Matthew, uh, chapter 7? The way is narrow. We prepare for heaven while here on earth in a broken world. And God prepares heaven for us. Shocker. Not all people will be in heaven. Not all people will enter the gates of heaven. God's word, the Bible, speaks of the saved and it speaks of the lost. 
The saved are who? Those that trust Christ as, the, as their internal, uh, eternal Lord and Savior, right? The lost are who? Those who do not trust Jesus Christ as their eternal Lord and Savior. Are you saved or are you lost? That question is not only for those present, but those that may be viewing this morning. We are responsible to give an answer to that. This is the dividing. uh, Let me just say, this is the, the great dividing line of humanity. You're either saved or you're lost. Understand this. There is... No in-between. It's not there. It's not real. Saved or lost. That's the dividing line. That's the line in the sand that Jesus drew. You're either saved or you're lost. There is no in-between. So let me leave you with this one question. And I ask the praise team to come as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, but also a song of invitation for those that need to answer this question. Are you prepared for heaven? Are you prepared for heaven? God is preparing a place for you. But are you preparing for heaven, the kingdom of God? Great question. So we have to answer that question to determine where we will reside once our time here on earth is over, done, void. Guess what? We don't have eternity here. We have limited time, limited space. Years. Months, days, who knows what tomorrow brings. But that's one question that you will need to to answer before that moment in your life comes. So I pray, as the praise team sings a song of invitation, inviting you to answer that question, whether it be at this altar on your knees or or, uh, whether speaking to Sheila uh, or or myself as, as we stand here and Open up our arms to receive your prayers and to pray with you to help you seek the answers to those questions. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, heaven is our home. You are the creator of that home. So, Lord, I pray as we close this service out that our service to you and your kingdom never stops. That the questions and thoughts that you have laid upon our hearts this morning, may there be an answer that comes from our heart and then to our lips and then a proclamation to the world. Lord, as Your word has spoken to us in John chapter 14. 
There are many people here having a lot of thoughts and questions going through their mind. I pray that the Holy Spirit begins to clear that up. Those that are viewing online, you're not exempt from this time of just going to the Lord right where you are and giving your life to Christ. And if that's you, please respond. We have people that want to pray with you and for you to receive your prayer request or celebrate with you in your acceptance and receiving of this great gift of salvation. And Lord, as this opportunity comes before us, may we respond in a way that's pleasing to you and pleasing to your kingdom. And may we also in this time begin to check our hearts as we prepare to come to your table to partake of the bread and the cup and the remembrance of your death, burial, and resurrection. Forgive us, Lord, where we're failing, not only as individuals, but as a church body. May our hearts be seeking you at all times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the praise team sings, respond this morning.